Matt Walsh's producer goes undercover to reveal the shocking ease with which people can get a medical referral for gender mutilation surgery. Donald Trump is notified he's the target of another ongoing investigation, and Ron DeSantis heads to the southern border. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, we were told that the science dictates that if you suffer from gender dysphoria, gender identity disorder, then you have to go through a rigorous process of screening before you're admitted to the surgical room, where if you're a man, your penis and testicles will be removed, and then they will be shaped into a fake vagina. Or if you're a woman, then you will have your uterus removed, a hysterectomy, a hysterectomy will take place, and then we will carve a piece of flesh from your forearm and we will turn it into a non-functional penis. All of this would only be available with strict referral strict medical guidelines and screening. Well, that was a lie. As it turns out, the massive social contagion that has now taken over nearly all of Western civilization, skyrocketing trans identification rates by thousands of percentage points, well, that is being accompanied by a medical establishment which is dedicated to the proposition that you don't need to screen for this stuff at all. Literally at all. Now, there is no other major surgery. This is a major surgery with ongoing complication rates for years on end. In fact, the success rate, quote unquote, success rate of the surgery, meaning people who are not suffering from severe complications from the surgery, like medical complications, forget about the mental health aspect of this whole thing. The, the percentage of people not suffering from severe complications from this thing is only like 65, 70%, which makes it one of the less successful surgeries ever. I mean, it's particularly unsuccessful when you consider that what you're actually doing is just carving a hole in someone's body or alternatively creating a fake flesh tube. I mean, that, that in and of itself does not sound like an amazing surgery, but even if that's what you seek to achieve, it does not achieve its goal. But you would assume that there would be a good screening procedure for something that drastic and that horrifying if, if this were indeed medically necessary, which it is not. But as it turns out, there is an actual proportionality between just how unnecessary it is and just how loosely we screen. It's really, really unnecessary, which means that we don't screen for it pretty much at all. And this is what Matt Walsh's producer found out yesterday. According to the Daily Wire, some of the nation's largest transgender healthcare providers are rubber stamping approvals for life-altering sex change procedures and even falsely representing health diagnoses of patients so insurance companies will cover the medical expenses. This is according to Zach Jewell, writing for the Daily Wire. In an undercover investigation, Walsh and his team discovered how easy it is to get approved for sex change surgery when one of the host producers got a thumbs up for an orchiectomy. That is a procedure to remove the balls after just a 22-minute virtual appointment with Plume, the largest transgender healthcare provider in the United States. Walsh's producer, Greg Ree, got scheduled for a video call with Plume after providing a fake name on an intake form. Ree made it clear he had not actually been experiencing gender dysphoria for six months or more, which is the clinical definition of gender dysphoria. Now, again, I think the clinical definition of gender dysphoria is wild because in order for you to actually be diagnosed with gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder, you have to not only be experiencing the feeling of believing that you're a member of the opposite sex, you have to be, quote unquote, depressed because of it. Otherwise, apparently you're mentally healthy. If you're a man who believes you're a woman, but you're not depressed or upset or anxious about it, then you're totally perfectly mentally healthy. Again, it's the only diagnosis of which I'm aware in the entire diagnostic and statistical manual where if you have a full-scale delusion, we require that you be depressed about the delusion to determine that it's actually delusional. If somebody walks into a doctor's office and says, I am Jesus Christ, re reincarnated. I am Jesus Christ. I've been walking the earth for the last couple thousand years. Here I am. But I'm not depressed. I'm super happy about it. The doctor's not gonna be like, you know what? You seem fine to me. Everything is cool. The doctor will be like, uh, you're not. And uh, we might need to think about some medication for you. In fact, as it turns out, manic depressives are only depressed half the time. They're manic the other half of the time. Anyway. Walsh's producer made it clear he didn't even fulfill the diagnostic and statistical manual requirements to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. He mispronounced the name of the surgery he wanted in the first place. He said he didn't know what effect the surgery would have on him. But Plume's nurse practitioner told Reed, quote, she wanted to write the most solid letter possible to justify surgery, according to Walsh. Three days later, Plume sent a letter to Reed, who said his name was Chelsea Bussey, saying Reed was experiencing, quote, significant ongoing gender dysphoria, despite Bussey stating unequivocally this was not the case and recommending Chelsea for testicle removal. Walsh said that in a text message to Ree, Plume explained the letters of recommendation are sent using a template based on standards provided by the Radical World Professional Association for Transgender Health, which is a propaganda organization that has nothing whatsoever to do with medicine in the United States. Nothing. WPATH is a propagandistic organization that falsely interprets data on the regular. Plume sells letters of recommendation for 150 bucks. That's all it takes, 150 bucks. And you too can get a medical referral to cut off your balls. 
Apparently, folks, another popular transgender telehealth service also approves patients for sex change procedures, even if they are not diagnosed with gender dysphoria, according to Walsh. Walsh said, quote, folks, which provides letters authorizing surgeries for a nominal fee, goes on to admit, it's quite possible patients will receive a letter indicating a gender dysphoria diagnosis, even though they really do not have dysphoria. A staff member confirmed a diagnosis of gender dysphoria with the word diagnosis in scare quotes is a requirement for insurance purposes, even if it doesn't apply. Now, it is true that if you walk into a doctor's office, very often doctors, in an attempt to lower insurance costs to you in order, in order to maximize insurance repayments, they will write diagnoses in order to get the insurance to repay. But normally, if you're going to, you know, recommend a major surgery like this, it has to be for a reason. Ari Groner, a licensed clinical social worker who educates doctors on trans healthcare, openly admitted in a video that those seeking trans surgeries can easily get letters of recommendation. Groner actually talked openly about this. She explained that whatever letters her patients want, she will write because she's not a gatekeeper, which uh, I thought that's what you are literally supposed to do. Groner explains that insurance companies won't pay for these surgeries unless the patient is diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So they just go ahead and get the diagnosis without any actual diagnosis, without any sort of diagnostic necessity. Walsh and his team dug deeper into how Plume and Folks have expanded across the United States. Plume reaches people in 41 states. Folks presents to people in 47 states. Walsh said Plume and Folks raised more than $45 million last year. Kraft Ventures just led Plume's $14 million fundraising round. Is Kraft General Partner David Sachs aware that this is even going on? With Plume and Folks operating in most of the United States, the Daily Wire host asked if medical insurance companies were aware that trans medical providers were sending letters of recommendation based on obviously false information. This is not just corrupt, it's evil, because presumably there are people who have serious mental difficulties who are calling in and saying, I would like to get my balls cut off. And these organizations are just like, hey, we will send you a letter, send us 150 bucks, give us 22 minutes, it's a 22 minute phone call, 22 minutes, and we will give you the world without your balls. It's just an amazing, and this is what the science requires. It is gender affirming healthcare. It is required, Tuss Science says that this is the best form of medical care. Is some schmuck on the other line telling you it's okay to remove your schmuck without any actual medical necessity to do so. Because after all, the insurance companies do have to be defrauded. That's an amazing, amazing story. And again, it's all part of this giant social contagion that has now taken place across the land. That social contagion, by the way, is now particularly targeting minority Americans. Because it turns out the minority Americans are significantly less warm to this garbage than our white liberal upper crust Americans. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, we say a lot of controversial things on the show. Some advertisers shy away from that. Pure Talk does not. Pure Talk stands behind this show, and so we stand behind them. I'm proud to stand behind Pure Talk because they make it possible for me to get up here and bring you facts, logic, and truth every single day. They share our values, the values of me, of Matt Walsh, Michael Moles, Candace Owens, the rest of the Daily Wire hosts. That's why we made them the official wireless partner of the Daily Wire. But that's not the only reason. We check the coverage. It's premium. Pure Talk is the most dependable 5G network in the United States. I use it myself. Mix and match your plan is to fit every person in your family. Choose from talk, text, and 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with mobile hotspot for 55 bucks a month. Remember, you do vote with how you spend your money these days. Stop supporting woke wireless companies that actually hate your guts. Switch on over to Pure Talk today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. I use Pure Talk for all my business calls. They have the same 5G networks as one of the big guys, which means that the coverage is excellent. And again, you're then giving your money to a company that actually doesn't hate your guts. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They're excellent. They've got great coverage and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch on over. And so as I say, the targeting of minority communities is a fascinating byproduct of what's happening here because it turns out the minority communities in the, in the United States are not nearly into the deballing of their males and the, and the 
sterilization of their females as apparently white Americans are. So this broke out into the open over the course of the last 48 hours when in Glendale, the school board in Glendale decided that they were going to allow for the gender indoctrination of small school kids. And Glendale, which is heavily Armenian and heavily traditional in terms of its values, rebelled. They, they rebelled for a reason. Here's a Glendale school teacher explaining the kids know they are trans when they are three. Why critical race theory? I'm not just here in support of our LGBTQ youth. It's all connected. I'm in support of critical race theory um, and diversity, inclusion, equity training because uh, white people participate, for example, in the largest social welfare program in the history of the United States, and yet now they throw their hands up in the air when we look at our housing crisis. And Armenians talk about the genocide, but they received SSI, but they don't want to talk about the indigenous genocide of 1850 and the lack of preparations for black and indigenous people in this country. And they don't want to talk about how dare you as marginalized people come here and, and, and you don't want to talk about the oppressed trans youth who, you know, your kids aren't even learning what they need to learn in, in, in this that one in two will commit su attempt suicide and 95% know that they are trans when they are three to four and five years old. Small kids know at three, four, and five years old that they are trans, according to this teacher. This all follows the Glendale Unified School District Superintendent, Dr. Vivian Ekian, recommending that the Board of Education adopt a resolution to designate June 2023 as LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign Pride Month. Armenians were not happy about it, but it's not just Armenians who are being targeted. According to Redux.info, a Seattle court has now ruled that a female-only nude spa lacks the constitutional right to bar biological males from their facilities. The decision comes after the spa sued the Washington State Human Rights Commission, WSHRC, which had forced them to change their sex-exclusive policy due to the complaint of a trans person, meaning a dude. In the May, May of 2020, a trans-identified male submitted a complaint to the WSHRC alleging discrimination on the basis of his gender identity. He claimed that he was a chick. He wanted to walk in to the female-only spa in which women are unclad. And, they were, and he was told, uh, no, dude, no, you're twigging berries. Show us pretty clearly who you are. And he was like, nope. He was like, nope, you violated the law. Haven Wilvich had sought a membership at the Olympus Spa in January 2020, but had been denied on the basis that he had not undergone gender reassignment surgeries and his penis was fully intact. In the complaint, Wilvich alleged his application to use the facilities at the spa had been rejected after staff told him transgender women without surgery are not welcome because it makes other customers and staff uncomfortable. So they're not even saying that a man who has the surgeries to pretend that he is a woman is, un is unwelcome. They're saying that only a dude who walks in with fully intact twig and berries is unwelcome. And that apparently is, is now a suable offense. Apparently, it's a Korean women's spa. And, and this Korean women's spa has now been forced to erase biological women from their policy after this human rights complaint in the city of Seattle, which is amazing. The owner of the spa, Sun Lee, explained Olympus was a family-owned women's Korean traditional health spa and noted that nudity was required for certain procedures. Does not matter. Does not matter. Apparently, Sun Lee was chastised by the, by the Human Rights Council in Seattle and forced to change over the policy. Just spectacular stuff right there. Really, really strong. The intersectional battles that are now happening, the targeting of Korean women's spas because they're just not tolerant enough because they won't allow men in. The targeting of Armenian populations in Glendale because they're just transphobic. Well, now you have Asian Democrats who are accusing Muslims of bigotry because Muslims, it turns out, not super hot on the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign morality. The intersectional battle here is quite fascinating. Here's an Asian Democrat accusing Muslims of bigotry. This issue has unfortunately put, it does put uh, some, not all, of course, some Muslim families on the same side of an issue as white supremacists and outright bigots and you know there are however the the uh, the folks who I've talked to here today I would not put in the same category as those folks although you know it's again complicated because they're falling on the same side of this particular issue. So they're kind of like white supremacists, these Muslim people. Amazing how white supremacy now encompasses brown Muslim people, according to this Asian Democrat named Kristen Mink. So again, intersectional battles galore. Uh, uh, amazing, amazing stuff happening on the left side of the aisle. Now, as we say, this is also bled into every arena of our elected politics, into our corporate life. We'll get to that momentarily. First, everybody knows I love my Helix Sleep Mattress, but 
Did you know they just launched their newest, most high-end collection, Helix Elite? Helix has harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific positions and firmness preferences. I've had my Helix Sleep mattress for at least five years at this point. It is fantastic. It's the only thing that is keeping me alive at this point, given the fact that my baby is keeping me awake most of the night. My wife and I, we've been trading off. We are both very sleep deprived, but that mattress is basically what is keeping us going at this point. Why? Because Helix makes a personalized mattress that allows you your best night's sleep. Helix has a sleep quiz. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz yourself. Find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. The mattress will come right to your doorstep for free. Head on over for a limited time. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. It's their best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so this, of course, has bled over into the halls of government, which is why presumably the House of Representatives, which used to be one of the most august legislatures on planet Earth, now features Democratic representatives like Robert Garcia of California paying tribute to the true heroes, the true heroes here in America. Not, not the heroes of like the Normandy invasion on, on D-Day, right? J- just this week, we celebrated D-Day. You know, like that, that, we should actually take pride in the fact that we are a country that deployed hundreds of thousands of young men to liberate a continent. That was like for half a hot second on June 6th that we paid tribute to that. But we have a whole month to pay tribute in the well of the house to RuPaul, a man who dresses as a woman. And is thus a civil rights hero because he dresses as a female. Now, I rise to commemorate the start of Pride Month by honoring the one and only queen of drag, RuPaul. An artist, a philanthropist, and a barrier breaker. RuPaul Charles has become an American phenomenon and an icon. So iconic. So much. An American phenomenon. Heroism. A dude wearing a dress. Whoa. Whoa. And a queen, slay queen with a penis, slay. Amazing stuff. And again, this has bled over into corporate life. Now, the backlash has begun, as the backlash should have begun, right? Anheuser-Busch has lost a lot of money because they played with fire in hiring Dylan Mulvaney as their spokesperson. Dylan Mulvaney continues to, to garner all sorts of headlines. So now Dylan Mulvaney has changed his pronouns again. So he he was her, she, or she, her, or whatever it was. And uh, and now Dylan Mulvaney is going with she, they. So you remember that just to, to follow the full transformation of Dylan Mulvaney, it went, Dylan, it, she, he, he, he's a dude. He went from a male to a gay male to a non-binary person, they, to I'm female, to a female non-binary person who may in fact be a straight man because he said the other day that he might want to have sex with women. So this is the, by the way, all genetic, all all encoded in the genetic code. It's pure evolutionary biology, guys. What's happening in our society has nothing to do with social contagion or environmental incentivization. It is all pure biology. Here was Dylan Mulvaney the other day, gallivanting around, getting ready for a photo shoot with Them Magazine, a magazine no one has ever heard of because who subscribes exactly? Here Here is Dylan Mulvaney. That is so frightening. Clown from It. Joker. Like, 
So what, what happened there? Uh, Dylan Mulvaney put on a bunch of makeup and a suit. So it started off with Dylan Mulvaney, like full facial hair, like a, like more facial hair than I have right now on camera. And then turned into uh, and then turned into a uh, bizarre looking drag person. Uh, and uh, and that is what Bud Light decided to hire. And Bud Light has taken it directly on the chin. According to the New York Post, sales of Bud Light plunged 24% for the week ending May 27th. That is slightly better than the 26% drop a week earlier. It marked the first time the sales decline didn't grow worse versus the previous week, but they're now in danger of losing their number one beer brand on planet Earth, which, of course, makes perfect sense because it's super easy to switch over. Year-to-date data shows that Bud Light remains the number one beer in America at 9.1% market share compared with Modelo's 8% market share, but pretty soon Bud Light is going to start losing it. Bud Light had better reverse the decline soon if it hopes to retain shelf space at retailers because if you walk into pretty much any grocery store in America that sells liquor, what you'll see is that there's a lot of Bud Light on the shelves. People just ain't buying it. Meanwhile, Dylan Mulvaney is making bank and Dylan Mulvaney is super happy about this. Dylan Mulvaney says that more corporations should use him for advertising. Quote, for a long time, I felt so lucky these opportunities were coming my way that I thought it was by accident. Now I realize how much power I actually have, Mulvaney said. If a brand wants to work with me so bad, they should work with other trans people too. It's not just enough to hire me, this skinny white trans girl. I want all the dolls getting the brand deals. Ah, even further intersectionality, endless intersectionality, ruining corporate brands who are stupid enough to associate with all of this. And you wonder why brands decide to do this. The answer, of course, as we've discussed, is because of BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, they all basically mandate their brands engage in this sort of crap through environmental social governance standards. And it's only that which has forced corporations to engage in this sort of absolutely suicidal stupidity, obviously. I mean, it is that. Well, that is presumably why Katie Porter, the representative from California, now says that it's an attack on economic freedom to say to Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, guys, maybe you should actually invest on behalf of the people who invest their money with you, not on behalf of your own perverse view of what human sexuality looks like. Let's call this hearing what it is. It's an attack on economic freedom. Republicans apparently don't want investors to know if a hugely profitable company outsources to China if they have a huge carbon footprint and are unprepared for climate change, or if they treat their workers horribly, it's a lot more comfortable for them to just cover up all that information so that they can get what they really want, big corporate profits at all costs, rather than what investors really want, which is more information about their investments. The uncomfortable truth is that withholding ESG information from the market means denying investors the freedom to decide where they want their dollars to go. Oh, that's it. Really? Is that what it's about? Or is it about preventing the cram downs on corporate America by a few chief leaders like the Larry Finks of the world? Maybe it's about that. I love when Democrats pretend they love economic freedom. It's one of my favorite, favorite things. Okay, in just a second, we'll get into the 2024 race, which is heating up in new and unexpected ways first. The CEO of Innovation Refunds and GetRefunds.com has been on TV explaining how they've helped so many small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. They've completed thousands of returns for different kinds of businesses, including over $700 million for construction companies, over $200 million in restaurants, bars, and hotels. Innovation Refunds has hundreds of five-star Trustpilot and Google reviews and is certified with the Better Business Bureau. In just eight minutes, you can easily start the process on GetRefunds.com. You could be on your way to receiving up to 26 grand per employee. The ERC tax credit's not a loan. It's a refund of your already paid taxes designed to let the business owner direct the refund money into anything the business needs to grow. It's money you can use to improve your business however you see fit. Head on over to GetRefunds.com to get that process started. There's no upfront charge. They're not going to get paid unless you get paid, so you have nothing to lose. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $5 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They might be able to help your business as well. Head on over to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. Again, that is GetRefunds.com today. GetRefunds.com today. If you paid too much money to the federal government, you get some of that money back. Why exactly wouldn't you do that? Head on over to GetRefunds.com today and get started. Okay, so the 2024 presidential race, it is now underway in earnest. There are a bunch of candidates who are in on the right side of the aisle. On the left side of the aisle, there's a lot of data about Joe Biden, which we'll get to in a moment. But on the right side of the aisle, Donald Trump continues to be the central player in this plot. Because after all, Donald Trump is the front runner. He's the former president of the United States. He's the most famous person on planet Earth by a fairly wide margin at this point. Well, now he is facing down yet another criminal investigation. According to Politico, Federal prosecutors have now notified former President Trump in a letter that he is the target of a criminal investigation. 
That notification is the clearest signal yet that special counsel Jack Smith is on the verge of a charging decision in his probe of the former president. Trump is under investigation for concealing reams of classified documents at his private estate and orchestrating a scheme to prevent federal authorities from finding them. A spokesperson for Smith's office has declined to comment at this point. In recent weeks, Smith has hauled in several figures in Trump's inner circle before the grand jury investigating the documents case. That includes one of his attorneys, Evan Corcoran, after a legal battle over attorney-client privilege. Attorney-client privilege does not include if you are participating in a cover-up of ongoing criminal activity, for example. A former Trump spokesperson, Taylor Butowich, announced on Wednesday that he spent the morning in front of a related grand jury impaneled in Florida. The recent moves have signaled that Smith's probe was nearing a likely charging decision that now appears days, if not hours away, according to Politico. The letter to Trump is yet another indication. The DOJ manual provides the prosecutor's consent to target letter to people likely to be charged in connection with a grand jury probe, giving them an opportunity to testify before the grand jury before an indictment is actually decided upon. Prosecutors consider a target a person for whom there is, quote, substantial evidence linking him or her to the commission of a crime and who, in the judgment of the prosecutor, is a putative defendant. Now, President Trump is responding over on Truth Social, just as you would imagine he is. He is pretty upset about this. He says, shocking. One of the top prosecutors at the Department of Injustice was reportedly so obsessed with, quote unquote, getting Trump, he tried to bribe and intimidate a lawyer representing someone being targeted and harassed to falsely accuse and fabricate a story about President Donald J. Trump and a crime that doesn't exist. This criminal and salacious act from within the DOJ has brought shame and embarrassment to this once great and respected institution. Because of this, there is now extreme turmoil inside the DOJ. A top overzealous and dishonest DOJ prosecutor offered to witness his lawyer an important judgeship in the Biden administration if his client flips on President Trump, who has done nothing wrong. The highly respected lawyer was incensed and disgusted at this corrupt and illegal offer. The fake case against me must immediately be dropped, and the inspector general should launch an investigation into this and the many other all-too-obvious wrongdoings and crimes taking place at the DOJ and FBI. So now Trump is alleging that a top prosecutor at the DOJ actually tried to bribe and intimidate a lawyer representing one of the witnesses into essentially flipping the witness in, in, in return for a judgeship from the Biden administration, which is a hell of an accusation. I mean, if there's substantiation to that, obviously, there may, there may not be. If there is, that's astonishing. It's ast- but there's no question that the legal apparatus of the United States has been turned on Donald Trump. Now, to be fair, Donald Trump has a habit of playing with circumstances that open himself up to these sorts of investigations. That does not mean, however, that he should be prosecuted. Now, he's a guy who's constantly skating on the edge. But skating on the edge does not mean that you should be prosecuted if similarly situated people are not prosecuted. Presumably, this prosecution that they're talking about from Jack Smith is about the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. As we all know, this is silly. The reason this is silly, not only because Joe Biden had classified documents dating back decades in various offices stashed around the country, including in his garage where Hunter Biden, his derelict moral idiot son, was staying. He just had his classified documents stacked up next to his Chevy in the garage. He also had it at his office at the Chinese Center for Chinese Grift up in Washington, D.C., did did Joe Biden. And nobody made a peep about it. Nobody really cared about that. But of course, Hillary Clinton was exonerated by the DOJ for literally setting up a private server to host emails that should have been on government servers and then bleach bidding them and then destroying the hard drives to prevent the knowledge of that. And it's only when we found out that those emails had showed up on Anthony Weiner's computer because she'd emailed them to Huma Abedin or whatever that we found out that those emails actually still existed and there was classified information in them and all that. And the DOJ literally rewrote the law in order to prevent Hillary Clinton from being prosecuted. You remember James Comey made a big announcement about it. He basically said she absolutely broke the law, but we're not prosecuting her because she did not have the intent to distribute this to foreign sources. He admitted in his statement to James Comey, then the head of the FBI, this would have been in 2016, he admitted that there was every opportunity for foreign sources to have hacked Hillary Clinton's hard drive. And there was a good shot that those emails actually did end up in foreign hands. But he said she didn't intend to do that. It was just an oversight. It was just a mistake. She meant to keep them protected. Therefore, we're not going to prosecute her because similarly situated people aren't prosecuted. Well, is there any evidence that Donald Trump meant to take these documents home to Mar-a-Lago and then hand them off to Vladimir Putin under cover of darkness? You remember, those were all the rumors at the time. The rumors at the time when this broke was that he was selling off our nuclear codes to the Chinese or some such nonsense. And it turns out that was all crap. The theory that I had from the beginning was correct. That basically Trump was like, I like that document. It's nice. It's signed by Kim Jong-un. He and I are friends. Take it home. They call it Kim Jong-un. That was the actual reason he had the documents. Not for any nefarious purpose, but because Trump likes things and so he takes them. By the way, that's not even unique to Trump. Bill Clinton really liked a lot of the stuff at the White House and so he just took it with him when he left in 2000. You remember this. He like took the cutlery 
in 2000 because Bill Clinton is trailer trash. But it is an amazing thing that they are now talking about prosecuting Trump over mishandling of classified documents. So Trump says, wow, this is turning out to be the greatest and most vicious incident of election interference in the history of our country. And again, 2015, 2016, there's a very good case that that was, in fact, the most vicious instance of election interference in the history of the country. According to the inspector general's report on the DOJ and the Steele dossier, essentially, the Hillary Clinton campaign was laundering a bunch of false information via the CIA and the FBI into the press. And they were initiating investigations on the basis of just garbage that had been put together by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And the FBI knew it and they went ahead with it anyway. Is this the most vicious instance of election interference? Well, I mean, certainly it's election interference. Now, Trump can't stop himself. He says, remember, I'm leading to sanctimonious, big in the polls. But more importantly, I'm leading Biden by a lot. Also, and perhaps most importantly, they are launching all of the many fake investigations against me right smack in the middle of my campaign, something which is unheard of and not supposed to happen. DOJ, FBI, New York AG, New York DA, Atlanta DA, fascists all. So again, there are multiple investigations into Trump that are happening right now. There's obviously the New York ridiculous DA investigation into whether he paid off Stormy Daniels with campaign funds. And it's a bunch of crap. And everybody knows a bunch of crap, including the left-wing press, which has said that it's a real stretch for Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. There's the ongoing case in Atlanta, which is investigating whether Trump was involved in illegal election interference, whether he actually was calling up members of the Georgia Secretary of State's office and telling them to commit voter fraud, or whether he was just like, there was voter fraud. Go find me the number of votes that I need, because we know there is voter fraud. There's a difference between those two things, obviously. And then you have the classified documents case. You have at least three ongoing cases right now against President Trump. He did last night tweet out, no one has told me I'm being indicted. I shouldn't be because I've done nothing wrong. I've assumed for years I'm a target of weaponized DOJ and FBI, starting with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the no collusion Mueller report, impeachment hoax one, impeachment hoax two, the perfect Ukraine phone call, and various other scams and witch hunts, a travesty of justice and election interference at a level never seen before. Republicans in Congress must make this their number one issue. And Trump's campaign is predicated on making him the number one issue and his targeting the number one issue. In fact, Trump's campaign put out an ad and the ad was entirely about how much he is targeted by the left. Here's a question for you. Just how far are the radical left and inside the Beltway bandits willing to go to stop him? We all know they hate him for winning the fight to protect life, for exposing their deep state, for draining their precious swamp. And they already know he'll crush Biden. So like a pack of rabid wolves, they attack. So let's impeach him. Let's get tainted radical left prosecutors to charge him. Let's conspire with Hillary and the FBI with fake stories about him. All to distract from Biden's incompetence, weakness, and money-grabbing corruption. But here's the thing. He'll never blink. That's called having the courage of your convictions. And it's why he's our president. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. I like the moving tie in the last image right there. Uh, here's the thing. Trump's campaign. So he's, he's not wrong that he's being targeted. Obviously, he is being targeted. Unless you're going to prosecute Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden for the same exact crime on this classified document stuff, then it's obviously a scam and an attempt to go after Trump because you want to go after Trump. That's clearly what's happening here. The question for Republicans is going to be, do you want this to be the center of the campaign? I understand the the sort of emotional draw of this. They're targeting Trump. The only way to stand up in Trump's defense is to make him the nominee, and then he will bring the hammer. He will win re-election on the basis of the unfair targeting of him. I just have a question. Is that really what's going to happen? Is that what's most likely to happen? If the campaign is run on the basis of, is Donald Trump corrupt or is Donald Trump not corrupt? Should Donald Trump be indicted or should Donald Trump be not indicted? Who's going to get away with us not noticing him again. Maybe the guy who ran an entire basement strategy last time around. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you might have been one of the tens of millions of people who watched Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer, where they said that a person who was convicted of murder probably didn't do it. Well, if so, you're going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part docuseries with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer. It comes out this summer. There's no such thing as your truth. There is only the truth. While it seems like we're living in a world where the actual truth is being hidden, some people are still pursuing it. That includes everyone at The Daily Wire and on this topic, especially Candace Owens. When Candace found out the key facts were omitted in the Netflix series, she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The end result is a new series called Convicting a Murderer. You're not going to want to miss it right now. There's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. 
Sign up now for Convicting a Murderer. You will receive an early bird discount of 25% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. You also get all of the other premium content from Daily Wire Plus, including The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman, and the largest collection of content from Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, including his series on the Book of Exodus. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member. See the truth when it finally comes out. Okay, meanwhile, so the question here for Donald Trump, for Republicans, is going to be what you want campaign 2024 to be about. Do you want it to be about Donald Trump being targeted by all of these various institutions, or do you want it to be about beating Joe Biden? Those two things are not identical. They really are not, because the reality is that you can believe that Donald Trump was targeted. And the people who are most likely to believe that are people who are already voting for Donald Trump. Independents, by polling data, they really don't care whether Trump is being indicted or not indicted. They should care, but they don't. And so the question of politics is a question of realities. Who is more likely to defeat President Biden? Is it going to be the guy who is spending the campaign talking about how he is unfairly being targeted? I mean, he literally says the number one issue for Congress right now should be the targeting of Donald Trump. His campaign ads are all about how you have to stand up for Trump. And I've said this before. When Donald Trump is at his best, he is saying, I'm here taking the bullet for you. They're coming after you and I'm in the way, right? That is his actual pinned idea on his truth social platform. If you go over to his truth social platform, Donald Trump, what you will find is that that is the actual thing that he promotes. Quote, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. Okay, but now he's saying they're coming after me. I need you to stand in their way. Right, they're coming after me, and so I need you to be my shield. I'm not sure that's an amazing electoral pitch to people who don't already love him. To people who love him, sure. But to people who are kind of like indifferent about him or who didn't vote for him last time, that's not an amazing pitch in an upcoming election. As I've said before, if an election is a referral on the incumbent, the incumbent is in trouble. If it's a referral, if it's a referendum, rather, on the, on the challenger, then the challenger is likely to lose. And if it's a Joe Biden versus Donald Trump battle, it's up in the air. Who knows? I mean, first of all, Trump and Biden have essentially the same favorable, unfavorable ratings right now. 538 does an average of all of the various favorable, unfavorable polls. And what they find is that right now, Trump is about 14 points underwater. His favorability is at 41%. His unfavorables are at 54.6%. Joe Biden, his favorables are at 41%. His approve, his disapprove is at 54.8%. So they're basically identical. Trump's underwater by 13.6 and Biden's underwater by 13.8. But the question is, when faced up against each other, how does that stack up? That's worth noting at this point that Ron DeSantis, according to these same polls, is underwater by about nine points. But unlike Biden and unlike Trump, both of whom the American public have decided about, Ron DeSantis, who is the nearest competitor for the Republican nomination, he's underwater by nine points. But his favorables are at 37 and his unfavorables are at 46 which when you add all of that up, you may notice that's the low 80s. There's still like 17% of the public that has not decided what to think about Ron DeSantis. That 17% of the public is what decides elections. That 17% of the public is what decided the election in 2016 for President Trump. Undecided voters on the last day of the election broke 2-1 for Trump in 2016. In 2020, undecided voters the day of the election broke 2-1 for Joe Biden. And that was the entirety of the election. That meant the election. Right now, by the way, the, the Trump versus Biden polling is really pretty dead even. It's certainly within margin of error. So the latest polls, Economist YouGov has Biden up three on Trump. Quinnipiac has Biden up two on Trump. Harvard Harris has Trump up seven on Biden. All, right, all these are within the last three weeks. But the question is, the more you see of Trump, does that mean his numbers go up or does that mean that his numbers go down? Particularly if every headline you're talking about is a headline where he's being targeted legally speaking. So two things is always can be true at once. He should not be targeted. He is being targeted. That's obviously happening. And two is that those stories are the thing that's most likely to make Trump the nominee and also the least likely to get him elected president. They're not going to have any impact with independent voters, suburban women. Like all the people who are going to decide the election are not going to be more convinced en masse to vote for Trump because he's being unfairly targeted and is under indictment. Okay, meanwhile, a bunch of other Republican candidates are, are jumping into the race. Chris Christie has jumped into the race. I don't know what Christie thinks he's doing. Presumably he thinks oh, I'm brash and I'm going to take it to Trump and all of this. But here's the thing. He blew out his credibility long ago. You remember in 2012, he was the Republican National Convention speaker before Mitt Romney. He spent 20 minutes patting himself on the back, the round mound to rebound. And then he proceeded right before the election to give a big old bear hug to Barack Obama because Barack Obama showed up in New Jersey after Hurricane Sandy. And he was like, oh, my God, you actually came on a plane. I love you, sir. And it really helped Obama in the closing days of the campaign. And then you recall that he took out Marco Rubio in the primaries in one of the nation's most prominent acts of political murder-suicide. 
And then he proceeded to join Trump's campaign. And then Trump proceeded to boss him around. Now he's back and he's like, I am brash and I will say the truth. Will you though? I have doubts. So Chris Christie, he was asked by Jake Tapper, why are you going to do better this time? Because um, you didn't do all that great last time. Right? I was like, well, this time I can actually attack his record. What is going to make this year different? Well, the whole atmosphere is different, Jake. You know, in 2015 and 16, when we ran the first time, uh, you had a situation where Donald Trump had no record to speak of. Um, he had been on a TV show. I had been a developer, private developer in New York. There was no way to really make the case against him. And we, we, I think all of us, myself, Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, John Kasich, Ted Cruz, all found it very difficult to make the case because he could say whatever he wanted to say. There was no proof point to prove that he couldn't do it. We know he said he would build a wall across the entire border of Mexico. He didn't do it. About a quarter of the wall is built. He said Mexico would pay for it. We haven't gotten our first peso. Um, and we know a lot of other things. He said he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare. He had a Republican Congress for two years, didn't get it done. Said he was going to balance the budget in four years, left with the greatest deficit of any president in modern history. Said he was going to get rid of the national debt in eight years and left it trillions higher than when he walked in the door in just four years. So all those critiques are right by Chris Christie. Just nobody wants to hear him from Chris Christie. Trump is dismissing Christie. It's very funny. As soon as Christie jumped into the race, he immediately said, good luck to Chris. He's going to he's going to eat the Sands's lunch and all the other lunches. And then Chris Christie criticized Trump and immediately he went from welcome to the race. He's going to eat DeSantis' lunch to you're fat. That took one second. So, <laughs> so Trump put this out on uh, Truth Social. And it was about our country and its future. This is a video of Chris Christie and talking wondered, and uh, they added in a, uh, a hand carrying a giant plate of food in front of a buffet. We're going to be small or are we going to be big? Uh, yeah, seventh grade campaigning, man. It's a party. Meanwhile, Mike Pence also has jumped in. I mean, speaking of quixotic campaigns, there are a lot of people who are running for president, as with everyone. I mean, they're, like the actual governor of North Dakota, you've never heard of him. I don't even know his name. You don't know his name either. He jumped into the race also, which uh, didn't even make a ripple. It was like an Olympic diver doing like a swan dive into a pool. No ripples at all. No one even knows his name or why he's doing that. Mike Pence jumped in as well. Uh, Pence's pitch is, uh, is basically that he is the strongest constitutional conservative in the race. He says that uh, our crises are man-made by Joe Biden. I know we can bring this country back. We can defend our nation and secure our border. We can revive our economy and put our nation back on a path to a balanced federal budget. We can defend our liberties and give America a new beginning for life. But it'll require new leadership in the White House and the Republican Party. The crises we face, to borrow a phrase, are all man-made. And that man is Joe Biden. So um, Pence you know, is aiming his fire at Biden. The problem for Pence is that he's never going to escape the fact that he and Trump were at loggerheads while he was the vice president because he refused to overturn the election. Now, I said from the beginning that Pence had no legal right to overturn the election. It was absurd of Trump to suggest that he did. It was a ridiculous legal theory that had no grounding in the Constitution, the law, or the fact. Pence says that, but is that going to help him in a primary? I have doubts. My former running mate continues to insist that I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump was wrong then. And he's wrong now. I will always believe, by God's grace, I did my duty that day. I kept my oath to ensure the peaceful transfer of power under the Constitution of the United States of America. Let me say from my heart, I understand the disappointment that many still feel about the outcome of the 2020 election. I can relate. I was on the ballot. <laughs> but I had no right to overturn the election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. So, um, you know, is, does Pence have a shot in the election? I, I think not. Yeah, again, he may be a stalking horse for Trump to attack. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is in a knockdown drag out fight with the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, again, on an issue. And so this is going to be the question for Republicans voting in the primaries. Do you want to have fights over the issues or do you want to have fights over, you know, like whether people hate the Republican candidate? Because it turns out that people really, really hate Republican candidates, generally speaking, in the media. So Ron DeSantis went down to the southern border for a visit, which is a smart political move because, of course, immigration is a massive national issue. And it has affected the state of Florida. And of course, he's gotten involved in that issue. 
by asking these migrants where they wish to go and then sending them to places like Martha's Vineyard, <laughs> where the left declares sanctuary cities in the expectation that no one will ever arrive. And then when people arrive, the left's like, no, 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 get them out of here. That's happened in California as well. Florida's been sending illegal immigrants to California, where Gavin Newsom declared a sanctuary city. Everyone is welcome here, but not you. Get out. So Governor DeSantis was asked about that. These sanctuary jurisdictions are part of the reason we have this problem, because they have endorsed and agitated for these types of open border policies. They have bragged that they are sanctuary jurisdictions. They attack previous administration's efforts uh, to try to have border security. And so that's the policies they've staken out. Uh, and then what? When, when they have to deal with some of the fruits of that, they all of a sudden become very, very upset about that. Uh, well, what are these people having to deal with um, here? Yeah, I don't see the sympathy for them. And so, um, you know, the reality is, is I think the border should be closed. I don't think we should have any of this. But if there's a policy to have an open border, then I think the sanctuary jurisdiction should be the ones that have to bear that. That would make sense if you volunteer to take in all the illegal immigrants and everybody around the border is like, we don't want this to affect our city. Why should those people be forced to take in hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants while Gavin Newsom sits in his plush pleasure palaces and, and decides who gets in and who does not get in? Newsom, for his part, is saying that he wants to prosecute DeSantis. He suggests potential kidnapping charges. Apparently, it's now kidnapping to send people where they want to go. There's actual video of these migrants saying that they're very grateful to be put on planes to California. But here is Gavin Newsom. Human beings used as pawns for a guy's political advancement. That's pretty sad and pathetic. And uh, and so I I take this very seriously. And as I said, we are not Martha's Vineyard. I love Martha's Vineyard. We're not Martha. This is California, fourth or fifth largest economy on planet Earth. We mean business. And so Ron DeSantis should know that. And everyone that's been part of this, they may have more direct accountability and culpability should know we mean business and we're not backing away uh, from getting the facts and holding those accountable if they broke the laws of the state of California. So just to make clear, California is a place where if you are a parent who wants to trans your kid, you can take the kid, run to California away from the other parent who has no say in the matter. And California will grant you sanctuary so that you can trans your kid. California will also make sure that it's a sanctuary city unless you actually take them up on the offer, at which point they will sue you for kidnapping. It is, it is a wonderful state. Meanwhile, Corinne Jean-Pierre is responding to this from the White House. Just sending, sending illegal immigrants to California makes no sense. Um, as a person from California, let me just say there are a lot of legal immigrants in California, like a lot, a lot, a lot. So actually, it makes a lot of sense considering that California has raised taxes and benefits to illegal immigrants throughout the state, bankrupting the state. But, you know, that's their choice. So, yeah, that's a pretty good place for illegal immigrants to go since it's kind of like the home of illegal immigration in the United States. Here is a Corinne Jean-Pierre saying silly things. Does the White House have a position on whether Florida sending migrants to California or any other state for that matter is um, amounts to false imprisonment and kidnapping of those migrants? So one of the things that you've heard me say this multiple times uh, from here is the, about what these political stunts and what they mean. They're dangerous and they're unacceptable. I said this yesterday and I'll say this again. And we've seen them uh, happen over the last couple of months and all they do is cause confusion. And why is it they want to cause chaos and confusion? It doesn't make sense to me. So um, they, why do they want to cause chaos? It's you, you're in charge of the federal border. The federal government is in charge of the federal border. You ship people all over the United States all over the United States as the federal government. But if DeSantis or Greg Abbott does it to like Chicago, New York, or LA, that's when you guys start to get real whiny about it. Shocking, shocking. And meanwhile, the Biden administration uh, is riding a real edge here on the economy. So the debt ceiling bill averted the inability of the government to take out further debt to pay for the debt that they've already taken on. But it's also created a massive problem in terms of the debt. According to the Wall Street Journal, investors are bracing for a flood of more than $1 trillion in in Treasury bills, T-bills, in the wake of the debt ceiling fight, potentially sparking a new bout of volatility in financial markets. Some on Wall Street fear that roughly $850 billion in bond issuance that was shelved until a debt ceiling bill was passed will now overwhelm buyers, jolting markets, and raising short-term borrowing costs. Few expect major upheaval. Many worry about the potential for unforeseen problems in the financial plumbing where trillions of dollars worth of transactions occur daily that could send tremors throughout the market. Many remember how money market rates skyrocketed in 2019 during a period of low liquidity, necessitating intervention by the Federal Reserve. 
John Mayer, the chief investment officer of Global X, says, quote, when you dump a tremendous amount of debt into the market, it causes dislocation. Investors are underestimating that. In recent months, markets have been relatively placid. The S&P 500 has gained 11% this year, buttressed by that resilient labor market and the expectation that eventually they would stop the interest rate increases. But when you then issue a ton of further debt into the market, well, that sort of fights what you're attempting to do in terms of the inflation. The calm comes even as short-term bond yields have already jumped in recent weeks, lifted by expectations for the Fed to hold rates higher for longer. Now the Treasury Department is rapidly replenishing its coffers, a weaker than expected tax season, and coupled with, with extraordinary measures enacted during the debt ceiling fight, has now drained its checking account to below $50 billion at the end of May. That could weigh on large banks required to bid for treasuries at auction through an agreement with the government as the so-called primary dealers could be effectively forced to finance the replenishment of the Treasury general account. So it sucks liquidity out of the economy. So that's a, that's a serious problem in a time when everybody's already worried about liquidity being sucked out of the economy. So we could be looking at economic stagnation in the very near future, even as inflation comes down. Now, meanwhile, if liquidity is disappearing from markets and if banks are forced to you know, buy these treasuries, and if those banks have to come up with cash fast, that means they might call in some of those loans that are outstanding. If they have to call in those loans that are outstanding and those loans don't come in, that could be a real problem. If they have to sell their old T-bills in order to finance the new T-bills, then that could be even more of a problem because the new T-bills have a much higher interest rate than the old T-bills, meaning the old T-bills are essentially worthless, which presumably is why Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, is saying that there may be more bank consolidation, more regional banks may fail. Hilarious how all the people who are like too big to fail have now constructed a financial system in which the only people succeeding are the big banks. Would you be supportive of more consolidation in the banking business? I ask in part because on the other side of the administration, I think the Department of Justice and the FTC in particular have been very aggressive about trying to prevent transactions, not necessarily in the banking space, but given how outspoken you have been and the issues that may be unique in particular to the banking business. Well, I, I see strength in a banking system that has um, a diverse set of financial institutions capable of satisfying different needs across our economy. Certainly in this environment, some banks are experiencing um, pressure on earnings and there is a motivation uh, to see some consolidation. And um, it wouldn't surprise me to see... Right. Uh, some of that going forward. Well, yes, because when you construct a government too big to fail, it turns out that they back firms that are also too big to fail. Okay, meanwhile, New York City is now completely blanketed in smoke. That smoke is coming from Canada, which I think is pretext for us to finally invade. We need to reverse the results of the 1812 war. There's no reason why the, the frozen north up there should be an independent polity. They're not doing a good job. Justin... They're not sending their best. Justin Trudeau, handsome Bernie Sanders, and definitely not Fidel Castro's son. That's exactly not not Fidel Castro's son. He uh, he's been doing a crappy job up there. They'll greet us as liberators. If we invade Canada, they'll greet us as liberators. And frankly, I, I take this as an attack on America. So smoke from Canadian wildfires have now engulfed the East Coast, according to the Washington Post. You can see the pictures. They're they're really quite amazing. Now I used to live in California, so we saw this thing kind of often. Actually, you see a giant wildfire, and then you just couldn't go outside for like a week. I remember in the midst of, of 2020, the hellscape year that my family decided we are leaving. There were a series of events that led to that decision. It, basically, we got triple quarantined at one point. We got quarantined because of COVID. Then we got quarantined because we had to let people riot in the city. I mean, for George Floyd and all. And then we got quarantined because there was a giant wildfire. So you couldn't go outside because of the ash blanketing your, your house. And then you also couldn't go outside because you might be mugged or robbed or killed. And then you also couldn't go outside because of COVID. So you got like triple quarantine. I was like, I think we can look at Florida now. Well, over in New York, it now looks like an outtake from Blade Runner 2049 with the orange sky over there. And this, of course, leads the left to conclude global warming because global warming is the left-wing god of the gaps. Anytime there's a thing that happens they don't like, it must be global warming. If it's too cold outside, that's global warming. If it's too hot outside, that's global warming. If it's raining outside, that's global warming. And if there's a giant orange smoke cloud blanketing New York City. Now, I mean, honestly, the good news for New Yorkers is that fewer people will be killed on the subway because fewer people will be outside. So the murder rates in New York are probably about to drop pretty dramatically because honestly, it's more dangerous to go outside like on a normal day in New York than it is right now. There are fewer people on the streets right now. <laughs> My favorite is the headlines like, if you go outside for a full day in New York City, that is the equivalent of smoking six cigarettes. You mean six whole cigarettes? I don't like smoke. You know, it upsets my, my throat, my lungs, and I kind of need those things. But 
I will say that that's that that is not super alarmist material. Anyway, Bernie Sanders is out there blaming this on global warming as per our usual arrangement. New York City just yesterday had the worst air quality index they they have ever had because of that fire. And the week before that fire, there was a fire in Nova Scotia also caused a lot of smoke issues all over the East Coast. So what you're looking at is major forest fires in Canada, which are a direct result of climate change and the dryness of the forests. I got bad news for you. And it's only going to get worse. And our job now is to do everything that we can to wake up this Congress, to wake up the American people, to Here I am, walking through a beautiful forested area fundamentally where everything is fine. With disastrous music. Look, we have to no more fossil fuels. If you stop driving your car, you will not be fired in Quebec. Can we trade him to Canada for a player to be named later? Like that, I, I'm, I'm into that. After all, Justin Trudeau is handsome Bernie Sanders. Here is the problem. The real reason that there is a giant-ass wildfire up in Quebec is because just like California, all the idiot environmentalists have decided that we ought to leave dead brush everywhere. It's a big problem in California. When your forestry policy involves leaving all of the dead dry wood out in the middle of the forest and then there's a forest fire, why, boy, howdy, when things start to burn, they really, really burn. You know how I know this? Because the Globe and Mail had an entire editorial about this in 2021. Quote, Canada's forests have not been in a natural state for a long time. Fire suppression has led to forests full of deadfall, which is basically kindling. The trees are mostly from a short list of human plants and varieties, spruce, pine, fir, that are valuable for lumber, yet vulnerable to fire. The result is forests susceptible to massive blazes. Problem is, supersized fires made possible by the way humans have shaped the forests. Only a very few large fires are to blame for almost all the forests burned in North America. So we actually have had fewer fires, actually, over the course of the years. It's just they're really, really big. Why? Because our forestry policy has been to leave a bunch of dead wood out there. Genius level stuff from the Canadians, but it must be it must be global warming. Anything bad happens, it is global warming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, again, at least we can now fulfill our our actual our actual Western push. It's time it's time for Manifest Destiny to take its final form. Marines across the border. Let's do this thing. Okay, time for a thing I like and then a thing that I hate. So thing that I like today. So this is an odd thing I like, I will admit. My kids, yeah, I, I'm always trying to find them funny songs because they, they really enjoy the humorous songs. So they are aware of Weird Al Yankovic, certain of his songs. Some are not appropriate for them. My kids are also very much into um, What Does the Fox Say? As well as the coincidence. My kids know all of the words to the coincidence. But uh, one song that they have now become familiar with because they are now Southerners because they live in the state of Florida and there are lots of swamps here and lots of alligators is a song by a guy from the 60s and 70s named Jerry Reed. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with this, but I was not. This is a great song. It is called Amos Moses. It is what, uh, it is what starts the morning now. Every morning in our, in our house with the four kids <laughs> is the song Amos Moses. I thought I would bring you just a bit of this joy. Yes, here comes yep. Amos. Was a Cajun. He lived by himself in the swamp. They hunted alligator for a living. He just knocked him in the head with a stone. The Louisiana law gonna get Jamus. It ain't legal hunting alligator down in the swamp, boy. It's good stuff. Yep. So the, the part that my kids like particularly is hitting the alligator in the head with the stump. They were very, very into that. So, um, they're little Jewish kids, so I think the chances that we are actually gonna go out to the bayou and hit alligators in the head with a stump are very low. We'll have to ask um, my assistant Kelly about that since she actually shot an alligator in the back of the head. That's a thing that, that, that Kelly actually did. Yeah, that's how we roll here at Daily Wire. That's how it works. All right, time, uh, time for a thing that I hate. Okay, so um, Piers Morgan had on his show recently an, only, an OnlyFans model. Okay, an OnlyFans model is what we used to call a porn person, a pornography person, a porn star. That's what we used to call them, just people get naked for money. And now we pretend that they are legitimate parts of the economy. That's what we do now, which brings to mind the old apocryphal quote that has been attributed to both Winston Churchill and Oscar Wilde. Supposedly, we'll use Churchill for this example. He was talking to a lady at, a, at some sort of fancy event and he asked her, would you sleep with me for a million pounds? And she said, I'd have to think about it. He said, would you sleep with me for one pound? And she said, how dare you, sir? 
said, we over, we've already established what you are. We're now just haggling over the price. Well, um, this is, <laughs> this came to mind uh, because this uh, OnlyFans model was on with Piers Morgan. He's like, uh, what do you think your kids are one day going to think of the fact that mommy was um, making money by showing her breasts to random men on the internet? And here was her answer. Online strippers just, you know, naked. I do things that are way more grotesque well, than that. Just pornography. Pornography, anything. But it's all within what I want to do. And I absolutely love it. And I'm really good at it. You know, I could be a good lawyer, yes. But also, am I good at doing other things on video and camera? How do yes. you feel when you want to have kids yourself? Well, I mean, that's... I, I don't really want kids right now. But, but you will do. How old are you? 25. Right, so you will do at some stage, probably, right? Maybe. When you do, you're going to be proud that... You have your little ones and they look at you and go, didn't you want to be a lawyer, mummy? What happened? Yeah. And you go, here, but look at all my stuff. They can cry in a Ferrari. Oh, they can cry in a Ferrari. So the money is what's going to make it up to them. Um, I just have some news for you. It isn't. It isn't. It turns out that kids who are rich, but their parents are really screwed up, they remain incredibly screwed up. That's the way this works. And there is something wrong with the idea that a woman should value her own accomplishment in getting men to be aroused as they are at, you know, their intellectual accomplishments. Not to sound like too much of a feminist here, but it turns out that women are more than their body parts. I know, it's crazy. Women actually have inherent dignity as human beings. And when they simply unclothe themselves for the perverse pleasure of random men sitting in their pathetic basements and paying the money, they are doing harm to their souls. They are doing harm to their very beings. They may pretend that it's a, it's a matter of just personal freedom and all of the rest, but it turns out that consent is not the only value. People consent to do bad things to themselves all the time. And we don't like it as a society. When people inject themselves with heroin, that is consensual activity. It also happens to be very, very bad for them. A society that, that basically boils down its morality to the virtue of consent is a society that has lost all notion of good and bad. People have consented to evil activity for literally all of time. And it isn't evil to unclothe before random men for money. It is bad for you. It is bad for them. It undermines the very idea that women should be looked upon with anything more than simple lust. It's a perversity. And the fact that, uh, that she says, oh, I'm, I'm really, really good at it. Okay, I, I seriously, as a dude, let me tell you what it takes for a beautiful woman to be good at being naked. Being naked. That's what it takes. Wow, she's amazing at it. Wow, look at, look at her extraordinary skill in being naked. She's amazing at being, like, come on. Come on. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the comedian. Amy Schumer, because frankly, she hasn't been funny for a very long time. But she did have a line at one point that I think was accurate and speaks to this. She said, you know the difference between girls and guys? You know, a, girl, a guy goes to the bar and he's lucky if he can, if, if he can pick up a girl. And she says, you know, I'm overweight. I don't look amazing right now, but I can, this is her phrase, catch a dick anytime I want to, right? That was Amy Schumer's phrase. And let me just be realistic about this. That is absolutely true. If you're a half-decent-looking woman, the idea that you cannot find a man to have sex with you is absurd because the differences between the male sexual instinct and the female sexual instinct are incredibly large. Okay, those are very significant differences. As I've said before, when it comes to sex, women need a reason. Men just need a time and a place. So the notion that she is like somehow freeing herself, now maybe it gives her a sense of control over these men. Maybe it gives her a sense that she has more power in the universe, but that power belongs to pretty much any woman. It's just that she is the only person who is willing to subject herself to vile gazes in order to make money, which is a bad thing to do. It makes you a not particularly good person. So when people say things like sex work is work, well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's the worst kind of work in the, in the most derogatory sense of work. But that does not mean that it is a good thing to do, that you are playing an equal part in the economy, in the progress of humanity, if you work as a lawyer or as a coder, as if you take off your clothes on camera for a bunch of incels living in their basements just you. It's not the same thing. And when she says that, don't worry, she's going to make it up to her kid because she's going to buy him a Ferrari. Again, the, the notion that you can supplant with material things, morality is absurd. And it's a, it's a mistake that our entire culture is making right now. In fact, there was a study from the Wall Street Journal fairly recently we talked about on the show looking at what Americans now think about being American, what they think is important. Things like parenthood are in steep decline. It used to be that a huge percentage of Americans said that like one of the most important things about being a good person and being a good American was having kids and having a family and getting married. And now the thing they think about the most is material well-being, meaning like earning, how much money I make. Well, there's nothing wrong with thinking about how much money you make when that is in service to a higher goal. Money is instrumental. 
But we have now come to the point, I think, in Western civilization where money, because morality is no longer an object, because we dispense with the ideas of good and bad, we've now decided that money is no longer instrumental. Money is a measurement of are you good or bad as a person? It's like an objective. It's like a video game. The more money you have in the bank, the more Ferraris you can buy your kids. It no longer matters whether you are being a prostitute on camera. What really matters is that you can buy the Ferrari for your kid. Materialism has become its own goal. The money, which used to be good for, you know, buying things for your kids because you, within the context of a strong family structure or getting a nice house that you can have more kids or giving a lot of charity or building businesses to hire people. Money as an instrumental, useful thing. That has been transformed into money as a thing of inherent value. And once money becomes a thing of inherent value, then it does become an immoral thing. If you treat money as though it has inherent value, it makes you a better person to have money. The money itself makes you a better person. Or the money itself justifies whatever immoral activity you wish to perform. It's, it's about that that the Bible speaks when it talks about the dangers of wealth. Wealth itself is not actually inherently dangerous. In fact, the vast majority of prophets in the Bible were wealthy people. A lot of them were very, very wealthy people. The question is how that wealth is used. What is the wealth for? Is it dedicated to a higher goal or is it not dedicated to a higher goal? And if the answer is it's not dedicated to a higher goal, it's just that's how, that's how you buy off your kids when they find a picture of you naked online. Good luck to you and good luck to your kids. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. Matt Walsh just broke a massive story. His producer was able to obtain a referral for a testicle removal in 22 minutes by talking to one of these trans medicine factories. Matt's going to join the show momentarily. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.